Hello and welcome to Tampering, the NBA's insider podcast. I'm Joe Varden. This is uh, Sam Amick on the other line. Sam, hello. Joe, what's up, brother? You 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 got yelled at by Jade for hey, man. getting loud and then you went somber. Like, come on, let's pick it up. Let's go. Tampering, episode 712. Yeah, I'm in a great mood. Yeah. Or something sure, like that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm in a great mood. I'm in, hell man, I'm in I'm in sunny Los Angeles uh, where the Lakers uh, just took care of the Celtics. I think it was 114-112 and a brilliant Sunday matinee. Um, so that's, you know, I mean, it was, it was great to be there as, um, you know, kind of a throwback game for the, for this storied rivalry. And I mean, it's kind of, you know, I I don't know, like if apropos is the right way to say this, um, or, or what it is, you know, uh, just because of the circumstance with tomorrow being Kobe Bryant's memorial here at, at Staples Center, but, um, it was really cool if you're going to have to have that something so somber and, and, and terrible as that kind of occasion, um, to be preceded by a Lakers Celtics game, which is the most storied rivalry in the NBA. The Celtics are the last team that Kobe beat for a finals. Also the last team that Kobe lost to for a finals, just so much history. And, and, um, so to kind of, you know, run it back the way they did here today, um, with, uh, you know, with everything, uh, with, with LeBron and AD sort of the next standard bears for the franchise taking care of the, of the Celtics at the end. And Jason Tatum, who was one of the many Kobe disciples tying a career high with 41, um, all the day before they celebrate Kobe's life here at Staples. It was, it was pretty cool. I'm with you. That is really cool. Um, anytime I I see Lakers Celtics, um, the, the kind of self-centered flashback, if that makes any sense is 2010 finals, uh, career highlight for me. And it, and it dovetails into the Kobe stuff a little bit. Um, I forget if we chatted about this, you know, right after the accident. But man, the the game seven of that finals. I think to this day we all have those those games that we never forget covering. But you know, the Lakers pull it out, and Kobe goes eight of twenty four, I believe. Uh, maybe I have that number wrong. That would seem pretty fitting. But um, but then Ron Artest, you know, ends up saving the day, and and uh, the the career highlight that I, I don't do, as you know, Joe the the group press conference thing all that much because we kind of try to operate in the shadows and get different perspective from players and coaches. So it's not that often that I'm trying to provide the masses with any sort of soundbite. But but uh, that was the night that I asked Ron about saving Kobe on a night when, when Kobe had uh, struggled in, in one of his, you know, most important moments. And, and that was Ron's infamous, you know, he passed me the ball. And it just such cool memories. And then you see you see this iteration coming through, uh, fun with numbers and just to make all of us feel old, including you, Jade. 
Um, I don't want to leave you out here. Uh, that was 2010. Jason Tatum was 12 years old the night that uh, the Lakers got that job done. But but then fast forward to today, man, my God, Jason looking like a star and looking like a guy who post Kyrie yeah. Irving and, you know, with Kemba Walker on the shelf for this game uh, looked really good. Guys, I don't know who that is, but that we got paper crinkling like crazy. Yeah, that was me. I I, uh, I was eating a Hershey's. <laughs> I mean, you know, give me a break. <laughs> Jesus. So sorry. Let, let us know <laughs> I mean, when you're done eating your Hershey's. And this this episode of Tampering brought to you by Hershey's, by the way. Um, jerks. Yes. No, but Tatum, he just looks fantastic. And, and I'm sure he's uh, he's getting over all the grief he took on social media a day prior for, for missing an apostrophe in his new tattoo. But uh, that's a whole other matter. But, yeah, Celtics look good. Lakers pull the, uh, the, the game out. And and LeBron doing LeBron things. Yeah, you know the Celtics did look really good, and and they don't have Kemba, and so you know they're out there starting Marcus Smart um, instead of you know having him come off the bench. He's their best bench player. Celtics get outscored. Uh, Celtics reserves get outscored forty three to eleven. Uh, Kyle Kuzma had an, had a really nice game today. He had sixteen off the bench. Um, you know, Anthony Davis was was great down the stretch. He, he you know, those two look really formidable. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I mean, listen, the, the Milwaukee Bucks are having one of the greatest regular seasons in NBA history. They are at this point in the calendar year uh, or the NBA calendar of 56 games. They have the sixth best record in NBA history. They've won 16 of 18. Giannis is having a historic year. Um, you know, I think he last night against the Sixers, he had something like 31 points, uh, 17 rebounds, and then I think seven or eight assists, which is was his 12th game this year with at least 30, at least 15, and at least five. Um, the rest of the league has 10 of these games. Right. And um, – Kareem had 17 of them in like 1975, 76. And then you have Giannis. And so, you know, put all that together and you're talking about the probable. I mean, you know, not only should they get to the finals, but they should win it. Um, but they still got to prove it, right? And and in the meantime, you have the Celtics who are pretty tough. They're, they're pretty gritty. And, and like I think they are probably the team right now that would lay claim to be the the predominant East challenger to Milwaukee. I'm with you. And you and I have been like-minded recently. We've, we've kind of unofficially turned the tampering pod into the Bucks appreciation hour, putting on our, our Barry Bomb and Dan Smichek hats, Bucks PR shout outs there and making sure that people understand how dominant they've been and that that we don't overlook them because they're a small market sensation. Um, But within that conversation is everything that you're hinting at. They do have to prove it. And because you just got fresh eyes on the Celtics, I mean, I wonder, you you know the Bucks and what they do very well. You've been around them. Um, during this game, our colleague Bill Oram, Lakers beat writer, had tweeted about the possible prospect of a Lakers-Celtics finals, uh, you know, this season right here in the, the here and now in June. Um, they are nine games. The, the Celtics are behind the Bucks. That is a massive gap. Uh, what say you just about that general question of whether or not they, they might have a puncher's chance, you know, were they to play their way into an Eastern conference finals against those bucks? Yeah. And I think, I mean, they're the, um, 
I mean, as we've talked about before on this podcast, um, my assignment usually at games like this is to do what we call a first thoughts. And, and so that's kind of like a collection of what everybody's talking about in the hours and days leading up to the game, what happens during the game, and sort of takes a look at some of these big picture ideas. And that is certainly one of them, is that, look, um, you know, the Bucks we think are the favorite, but there has to be a challenger over there in the East. And it's, I, I believe it's the Celtics. And they do have a chance. Um, you know, you got to get them out. Uh, and I mean, Giannis, Giannis, and and really almost no one on the Bucks. I mean, they've got two like Cavs in uh, in George Hill and and Kyle Korver who have been there before. But as far as like you know the Chris Middletons and and Giannis's and 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 Bledsoe's those kind of guys, they they haven't been to the top yet. So they have to do it. They have to prove it. We should um, probably and then add, you take a look. Sorry, at, real briefly, just for context. I mean, sure. I, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. This was an interesting back-to-back night of games, right? Because, yes, Ben Simmons got hurt the night before, five minutes into Philly's game at Milwaukee, but the Bucs just absolutely just just had their way with Philly and the Giannis-Joel Embiid matchup that everybody was waiting for. The latest iteration you know, was, was a knockout team Giannis very quickly, and he looked incredible. So all of a sudden in, the, in that landscape in the East, Philly you know, falling off, Toronto is just they're overachieving, they're plucky, they're incredible, uh, but but I still you know I have a hard time putting them uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then Boston playing well, it is quickly becoming like you alluded to. It's Boston's task, if anybody's, to to come at Milwaukee like that. It is, um, you know. I mean, I guess I want to be clear. I think the finals are going to be Milwaukee and the Clippers. Yes, the Clippers had a ridiculous loss on Saturday to the Kings, but I mean, they, you know, Three they're missing row, two starters and this Yeah, I I know, but I just they're so deep and they're going to be healthy come April. I've seen this too many times with other Doc teams or even other Tyloo teams in Cleveland like these teams that are loaded with talent and just for whatever reason just don't quite put as much emphasis on winning each and every single night during the regular season. Um, they're going to be ready to go come playoffs. I, I think they're too much for the Lakers and for everybody else. So, you know, I, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're saying like the Bucks are the clear favorite because they're so dominant and all this. And then the Lakers have a, I don't know, five or six game lead in the, in the West. And, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to get it done. I don't think they have enough. Um, beyond LeBron and NAD. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. Um, it, it's just hard to get your arms around what the Clippers are because the, the, what you're essentially staking your flag on and the idea that a Doc Tyloo team is going to get it together when the time is right, is, I think normally holds water. I think the unique part about this group is stating the obvious here. You're still having that merging of the old and the new, and they haven't merged uh, you know, for long enough to know what they are collectively. And, you know, it's not a bad group by any means to roll the dice with. I mean, any any coach with with a head on his shoulders is going to say, yeah, give me that talent and let me see what I can't, you know, can do in the postseason. But we just got to see it, you know, and, and I'm cheating here and looking at some of the numbers. And, Joe, as far as net rating goes, you know, the Clippers, I mean, they're sixth in the league right now overall. Um, it did strike me the other night, though. Yes, no Paul George, but falling to Sacramento in the way that they did, uh, it was the first time since – I've watched them all season long where, again, a good problem to have, but integrating all these different pieces. They pick up Reggie Jackson. 
He got the start the other night because uh, Patrick Beverly was also out. And those are two incredibly important guys to, to be out with Pat and Paul. But Reggie is, I think, that's that's a question mark. I, I don't know what role he's going to play ultimately when they're healthy. I don't know how he's going to fit in. Uh, and I do think there's potentially a problem when it comes to Again, you always say good problem to have, but it's like when you got Lou Williams who wants the ball, Matras Harrell, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you know, even the Reggie Jacksons and guys like that are used to having the ball. And so that's a lot for Doc and Ty and their staff to navigate. Uh, and then defensively, they just have not been as dominant as we thought they were going to be. They're still a top 10 defense. They're, they're still very good, but there's questions. Uh, I just, I like the Lakers cohesiveness and, and the, their identity at this point anyway, a lot better than the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, they, you do see that. You do see an inte- an attention to detail. Um, just getting a chance to kind of hang out with these teams this week. Um, the Clippers were not impressed by the, – their were not impressed with themselves uh, on Saturday after, after losing that game. Um, and the Lakers, you know, I mean, they look great uh, against the Grizzlies – LeBron had 32 that night, I think. And then, you know, they, they have this this game here where they kind of grinded it out. Um, you know, an interesting thing that's happened here with the Lakers and really the Clippers um, just over the over this weekend is is the Lakers bringing Markeith Morris in. He's obviously he's the twin brother of Clippers recent addition, Marcus Morris. Um, and you're setting up a situation here where they're probably going to share like an apartment for the rest of the year in Los Angeles. And and then they're also going to be competing against each other, uh, maybe in the Western Conference Finals to get to the finals, which as you and I both know is as pressure packed as, as it could possibly be. And I just, for the life of me, I cannot, even people as close as the Morris brothers, I can't envision sitting there in the morning and sharing the same box of cereal and hopping in the, the Range Rover and, and and sharing a ride to Staples Center and then playing against each other in the conference finals. Like, that is just crazy. Well, I think you just you stumbled on an athletic special. We should figure out where that apartment's going to be. You and I should rent the apartment next door <laughs> and have a front row seat, yes. an enterprise investigative piece, what it's like to be the Morris Twins as they embody the Lakers-Clippers rivalry. Uh, no, I mean, that part is funny. You can't make that up. Um, they've been fighting for buyout candidates and, and just different, you know, additions, late season additions for weeks now. And, and that part for me has been one of the highlights of the season is that this Lakers Clippers thing in LA is real. Uh, both teams bringing a ton to the table, but we have a lot of other action. Uh, let's go around the old association a little bit here, Joe. Uh, we wanted to talk, you know, that's the top, that's the cream of the crop and the elite. Uh, but we're getting into that time of year where, you know, the stuff at the bottom and specifically in the West, the playoff races, is going to be fun to watch because, yes, none of these teams that I'm about to mention are going to scare anybody in the grand scheme of things. Uh, the teams that we just talked about are are not losing any sleep worrying about them. But you have these, you know, a lot of organizations in this league that, that would definitely hang their head on the idea of making the playoffs and it would be meaningful for their program. And then if they don't, you have the possible ripple effect of that perceived failure and, and some of the fallout that might happen. You know, in the, in the East – it's pretty cut and dried. Orlando's sitting there in the eighth spot, uh, probably winds up holding on to it. The Wizards are playing okay lately. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. But Washington is really unofficially right now, I think, the only candidate to jump up and take that spot. Out west, we have six teams fighting for one spot. Memphis, 
that that has had such a you know a wonderful surprise season has fallen off a little bit of late. Although they are six and four in their last ten, but we're going Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, New Orleans, Sacramento, and Phoenix. All of those squads separated by uh, five and a half games. As you and I sit here talking, um, I don't want to go through every single team, but you know we we mentioned the Kings win over the Clippers. They have won eight out of twelve. Uh, and, and this comes at a great time. You know, we've talked on the previous pods that we've reported about the King situation and the, the idea of Lottie Divas being in serious trouble this summer, their GM and, and the, you know, Vivek Ranavive, their owner being furious about how this year has gone. You got Portland that lost Damian Lillard to a groin injury right before the break. And he's still going to be out at least a couple more games. And that's a big time blow to their playoff prospects. You know, the Spurs with their playoff streak that goes all the way back to 1997, which is incredible. And I do think to a tiny degree, just that looming question about Greg Popovich and A, how much does he care about getting in the playoffs again? And then B, are we going to see him again on the sideline next year? Um, But the other one, we're going to, I'm going to, no offense, Suns fans, I'm going to skip over your squad. But I'm here as you and I talk at the Chase Center tonight where the Warriors are taking on the Pelicans. And Zion Fever. The Warriors are not going to make the playoffs. (laughs) Hot takes, hot takes. The Warriors, just for fun. uh, Let's see, 31 and a half minus 15 and a half. Yeah, about 16 games (laughs) out of playoff position. They still have magic numbers, though. They're not out of the woods. They're not out of the race just yet. Joe, Zion Fever is a real thing. And, you know, Zion got me off my couch this morning on on a beautiful Sunday in suburbs of Sacramento to drive down to San Francisco and come check him out. And, and that is why our podcast is going to be a little shorter this week is because I want to go watch this young man do what he does so well. Since he's been healthy, they're six and five since he came back. Um, and they, they look good. His plus minus is through the roof. They're about 14 points worse when he's off the floor. He's doing things that only Michael Jordan has done in his first 11 games in the league. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. And right now they look like a, a squad yeah. that won seven out of their last 10. That, that could, you know, cut this gap and, and maybe knock Memphis out of that spot. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think that Alvin Gentry is, I, I mean, you know, I think we all thought he'd be gone um, by season's end just with the way the way the Pelican season was unfolding. And now he talks to people across the league and they think that the Pelicans are going to catch you know Memphis and catch Portland and I mean they're, they're kind of like on a warpath right. and uh, you know I'm glad that you're in, in in San Francisco tonight because Zion is must see it's awesome to be there in person uh, I got the chance to watch him in Cleveland I'll see him in New Orleans next Sunday against the Lakers and um, he's you know he is going to be I mean, barring injury is like assuming that he's gotten his body issues in in order. Um, he he's going to be the next face of the league. I think. Um, I think maybe we can say he might. He. How do I want to say this? I don't want to say he's the next LeBron, but I think he's the one that maybe takes the man. Well, if that makes we sense. don't know. I think you're talking about two different things. You don't know the the end result of the actual basketball achievements. I think what you're talking about is star power and, and attractive, you know, this, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. marquee quality. And he has that. I had an interesting pregame chat with our friend and colleague, Will Guillory, uh, Pelicans beat writer for the athletic. And Will was telling me how, even in this short span, since Zion's been healthy and part of the program again, that he's getting this front row seat 
to the incredible crowds that Zion attracts. He was telling me a story, I think it was in Phoenix, where they had an off-day practice and it was in the middle of a school day. It was in the middle of the week and in the middle of the day. And he says, you know, they're, they're at this practice and they come out of the gym. And once Zion comes out, these kids just are flocking, just coming out of the bushes and the trees and coming out of nowhere to come catch a glimpse of Zion and everywhere they've been going. That's how it is. And, you know, I think he's got that quality. Um, and, and he's got, I think, just a joy to his game. I mean, when Steph Curry had his rise, however many years ago, that was a quality that, that people found you know, to be enjoyable. And I think Zion, he's, even today, he walked out of the locker room and a media member, as he kind of walked by, just made the comment that he says, you know, just he seems like he has a, a little wry smile on his face all the time. The kid just seems to be enjoying himself. And, and obviously, after months and months of rehab, why wouldn't he be? And he's going out there, Joe, and we should just focus on the hoops part of it for a quick second. Like, my God, he is dominating against grown men and and it's not just the the stat line. It's the optics. It's the fact that you get him that ball in the post, and it already looks as if there are you can count on one hand the number of NBA players who can physically check him. And he's 19 years old, and he's only going to get probably not going to get bigger. And that's probably should go the other way if anything. But he's going to be stronger, and he's going to get better and better and better. And it's just been incredible to watch. He's been so good early. Yeah, he really has. I, I'm not going to vote for him for rookie of the year, though. No, you can't. There's the too too late in the game. I mean, you got to give that to Ja. He's had a good year, but if you, yeah, I, he'll get votes. I'm you think telling, so? He, somebody's going to vote for him. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's I eleven just, games. I, I'm going to stick with Ja. Yeah, no, nah, I hear you. I, I think I'm in the same boat. But it's more so. I mean, if you're if you're asking Zion right now, I, I guarantee you he would take a playoff berth over rookie of the year. And, and then you talk about. How about this scenario? If the NBA, you know, looks at this in the first half of the season, what have we talked so often about? The ratings being on the decline, the China situation, which was just mm-hmm. a nightmare for the league from a business perspective. Um, so many negative headlines for the league, and, and just coming off all these years of bang up business with the Warriors and Cavs and rivalries and and heroes and villains and all that stuff, they could finish the season nicely potentially when you have. Things like Lakers Clippers, you have, uh, you know, Zion being healthy again. If you get Zion in the playoffs and you have an 8 1 matchup that normally, and no offense, Grizzlies fans, I mean, Jaw's exciting. Jaw's going to get some, some eyeballs as well, but it's not a Zion effect. So if you end up having, you know, LeBron versus Zion, uh, your ratings are going to be in a whole different stratosphere and it would be fun to watch. And, and it's not, I mean, kudos to, the Pelicans and Dave Griffin for that offseason work that they did that we're now starting to see for them the benefits of is that it's not just Zion and the Misfits. You're talking about Brandon Ingram being an all-star and having a wonderful year. Lonzo Ball finding himself. Josh Hart being a, a really nice role player. J.J. Redick being that vet in the locker room. And you, know, you mentioned Alvin, Joe. And you know I wrote a little bit this week. Uh, David Aldridge and I had done a piece just looking at questions for the home stretch. And I kind of just updated the look at Alvin's situation. Didn't add a, a lot new to it other than to say that, you know, we reported before that the Pelicans injuries were essentially cover for Alvin when it came to his job security. And to be clear, he has one year left after this, uh, this season. He's got about $5 million next year. But when you have a Zion Williamson, you have this kind of a program. I, I feel confident saying the Pelicans will not be going into next season with Alvin on an expiring contract. They are either going to extend him or they're going to make a change. And at this point with the way they're playing, I would 
probably lean toward giving him, you know, more years on that contract. But the dynamic is interesting because, you know, Dave Griffin and Alvin have a lot of history from their Phoenix Suns days. But I think you and I would both agree that when it comes to, you know, the way that, that Griff is looking at this situation in the here and the now, especially when they were having a 12, 13 game losing streak, that everything we heard was that there was an extremely discerning eye being used on this group, on the coaching and on what was best for their future. And then now all of a sudden, last couple of weeks, that's been turned on its head a little bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, just you, the way you laid out the contract scenario, which was really good, just everything that we heard, it's, it's hard to imagine the Pelicans like signing on long-term to him, no matter what. But then again, you're right. Like, especially with a guy like Zion on the roster, you don't want to go into a season with a lame duck coach. So, well, um, and it's also just to, uh, he's the two people you got Gail Benson. And, and from what I'm told, Zion on your side, Zion, from what I was told this week, yeah, uh, has enjoyed Alvin and, and thinks Alvin is good for him and his career. And if that is in fact, a hundred percent the case, uh, those are two pretty good advocates to have within that organization. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. Um, It's just, it's going to be a fascinating, you know, stretch run here um, just to see if they can, if they can continue this and catch the two teams in front of them or three or whatever it is. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, Zion is just incredible to watch and it's been really fun. If you've been around the Lakers, like you and I have been um, to see Brandon Ingram coming into his own and Zion's going to give him you know, sort of a platform for people to really see him grow. And and that's, that's exciting. All right. Uh, prediction time. If you got to pick one of those squads that you think is, is going to actually get the job done. Do you think it's new Orleans or are you looking at whether it's a uh, Phoenix sack, San Antonio, Portland, or if Memphis holds on, what do you think happens here? Oh man. I, you know, I think I'll go with, I, th- I think I would, I would love to see Memphis hold on. Um, and then I would also I would love to see the Pelicans get in there. So I'm going to go with those two. I, I don't know. I mean, I'll pick. Um, uh, I don't. I think the Pelicans have more talent, and so it's just a matter of can they stay healthy and and can they win enough games? Um, can JJ kind of be JJ and Drew? Can they you know kind of do the veteran thing? Kind of hold that group together in all these pressure cooker games? We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean they have the. I think they have the easiest schedule. Um, I, if not in the league, like they, the Pelicans definitely have the easiest schedule out of whoever trying to make the playoffs or something like that. So I'll go with the Pelicans. All right, fair enough. Uh, I, I'm gonna you know for the sake of uh, not being on the same team, I'll go with Memphis. They, they've they've scuffled lately, but that that's a uh, that's yeah. a four game gap for the Pelicans. That's a lot to make up with not a lot of time. Sometimes we forget mm-hmm. you know how hard it is to actually play that catch-up game. And, you know, San Antonio has had some bad losses lately and then beat Utah the other night. That was a little surprising. And and Portland, I think as long as Damian's out, they're going to have a hard time. But we shall see. Brother, uh, this is the abbreviated version of the tampering pod, I think. What do you got? got? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I wanted to say, I mean, I I know that you got to get out of here, but we want to – I wanted to share my story, which you know, yes, talk about speaking of yes. uh, of beating the odds. Yes. Th- this this is a long shot. Okay. Um, so, some of our listeners may know, like when I got in the NBA, um, I was at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and I had a partner. And the partner is famous now. His name is Chris Haynes, and he is uh, 
Yahoo's big shot, and he is also now doing sidelines on Tuesday nights for TNT. Um, but we were both hired at the same time uh, when LeBron came back to Cleveland, and so we didn't split the beat. We we were partners on it. Like we we both traveled to every game all across the country for two years. So obviously we became very close, um, and we both kind of obviously we both moved on from those jobs. So anyway, I've been here in Los Angeles uh, all weekend, as I mentioned, and I'm staying here at, at LA Live, and I walked several blocks away to a different place for dinner uh, before going out last night, and uh, and I had dinner by myself, and so I went after dinner to get some money out of the money machine. So now I'm like nowhere near hotels. Like I'm just in the middle of downtown in Los Angeles. I'm not from here, whatever. And I'm standing there waiting for the the Uber to come along, and and who turns the corner? But not only Chris Haynes, but his wife and his four kids. Uh, <laughs> and it was like I haven't seen them in years, right. and so uh, you know I see Chris in, in the job, but I, I haven't seen his wife Charlotte or their four girls in since they moved uh, out of Cleveland. And it was just like this joyous occasion on the corner of Figueroa and Sixth. I mean, we're giving hugs. The girls are pulling out their cell phones and like Instagramming this. I mean, I, you know, it was just, uh, it, it like legitimately made my night last night to run into the Haynes family, not just Chris, who I consider a dear friend, but, but Charlotte and the four girls. And, uh, it just, it's like one of those random things. I mean, anywhere in the world you could be. And, and here we all are in Los Angeles and, uh, just bumping into them. It was, you know, it was the highlight of the week. That weekend. is very cool, man. Give shout out to Chris. I, and this is a, a life, uh, commentary quick moment i respect the heck out of the fact that i've actually run into chris and charlotte in a similar type thing at la live their kids i think at the time were in the hotel room and and i've talked to our friend and and buddy and colleague uh, marcus thompson about this before juggling the family and the work is not always easy on this job marcus is a master at that he's constantly bringing his wife and his daughter on the road with him uh seems like chris does that a lot very happy for Chris in general, but man, in that role, he's going to be really good. He's he's already done some good stuff, uh, sideline wise. He you know he had that debut uh, getting popped by Greg Popovich, who was really good to him, and then doing yep. a sit down with Anthony Davis. <laughs> it's been fun stuff. So good people, good things. I like it. That's good stuff. All right. Well, we should go before I crinkle any more paper because I've got to put more we stuff. We should away go here because I got Zion waiting, man. God, what are you doing? He's he's out there <laughs> bouncing right. around, and I'm missing it. All right. Thanks as always to the listeners. Subscribe. Give us a nice review. Help us out here trying to grow this thing. Always welcome to uh, take that feedback, and uh, and we will be back with you next week. Thanks, Joe. Yes, sir.